Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. This was a cool one. And this one actually came in on Thursday evening, but uh, it, it, it's, it's probably one of my favorite emails that has come in in the last couple weeks. I'm looking at starting a renovation company for buying distressed homes. I like the work and wanted a non-cookie-cutter profession, and this seems to fit. It is obvious you have a great deal of knowledge in all the areas of construction of a home. My question is, where did you get started? And if you could go back and change anything, what would it be? Any advice is greatly appreciated, and thank you in advance for answering my question. Wow, that's like a job application question there, isn't it? But I will tell you, uh, I love doing that kind of stuff. Uh, Truthfully, that's where I've always made the bulk of my money is buying distressed homes, fixing them. I rent them out for years and then sell them whenever I want to invest in something else. But uh, as far as let's start with where did I get my knowledge? When I was a kid, my parents used to buy a lot of rent houses. And when I say a kid, uh, they started doing this when I was uh, about 13 years old. And I would work. I would go work on them. When I was 14 years old, uh, Dad had a property that was built in 1926. Had a horse and buggy stall, or three stalls actually, uh, that were not being used for anything they were just basically garages and he was turning them into efficiency apartments because those things were hot at that time he hired a contractor to come in and or a single guy to come in and do it and got rid of him because the guy just really didn't know what he was doing was making a mess of stuff and brought me in to rebuild those into efficiency apartments so that meant doing sheetrock cabinets Installing bathtubs and toilets and sinks and faucets, installing the flooring, uh, hooking everything up, and that's how I started learning and loved it. Uh, like I said, I was 14 years old at that point. By the time I was in high school, 16, 17 years old, I was typically doing that kind of work, uh, usually 20 to 25 hours a week, and because uh, I would go to school go do that after school, work all day Saturday and Sunday on it. And that was when I decided I was going to be a contractor. I just enjoyed the heck out of it. So, and from there, you know, I just moved on. When I, by the time I was in uh, high school, my, my summer break between my junior and senior year uh, had a fourplex that had a flat top on it. And I built a pitched roof on it and hauled all the shingles up myself. Uh, just, it's all hands-on. And uh, so that's how I got started. And from there, we went into being just a full-fledged contractor uh, and been doing it ever since. And you ask, any ad- or uh, what would I change if I could go back in time? I'll tell you exactly what I would change. I would have stayed doing just that buying houses, fixing them to make a living rather than opening up a regular company uh, and going out and doing stuff. Love what I do. Don't get me wrong. 
but right now I've got like 120 employees, and that's a lot of headaches, uh, keeping everybody busy working in three different cities. Back when I was uh, doing houses like that all the time, you set your own hours, and granted, I was stupid. I, I, my average week was 72 hours, but I loved it. And I didn't have to worry about it if, if I decided I was going to do something else that afternoon or whatever. Uh, your time was your own. When you're, when you're running a regular business, contrary to popular belief, your time is not your own. Because instead of having one boss to answer to, all the people that you work for, if you're gonna, if you're really gonna be a decent employer, you're answering to all those people because you know what, they got mortgages to pay, they got mouths to, to feed, and all that stuff, and you got to make sure all that carries on. So, if I had one thing I could change, that would be it. And as far as any advice, uh, I would tell you to start with the easier projects and work your way up. Don't try to dive into completely gutting and redoing a house on your first project. It's not as simple as the TV shows you to, to be. It does take time to coordinate stuff. Uh, and one other thing as far as you know, coordinating stuff, a lot of times contractors, when they come in on a project, they want to be the only one there. Don't put up with that from them. You can have multiple contractors on one project. They a lot of times don't like it, but if you want to get the project done on time, that is what it takes. One last thing. Why, did, why am I doing radio? Because sitting at a radio station one time doing an interview about foundation repair, one of the companies I have, uh, because right now I, I own foundation repair, plumbing, and an air conditioning company. And I was doing interviews during the commercial breaks. I was talking about what I was doing to my own house, gutting it, renovating it, and all that stuff. They wanted somebody to come in and do a show. I didn't want to do it, but... Six months later, I finally agreed to do it, and that one-hour show I agreed to do expanded to two hours. Now I do four hours on Saturday, two hours on Sunday, syndicated all over the state, and I love it. I mean, this is a break from my normal everyday routine. It just breaks my mind, and I enjoy helping people, so it is. It's a, it really is a... a a wonderful thing to be able to do and I highly enjoy it and work 14 years later now so yeah I must I must be liking it Jim can you recommend to me some type of radiant heat barrier product that I can paint on my house west side exterior wall to reflect reduce or absorb the amount of heat buildup in the afternoon exterior wall is made of wood board and batten material. House built in 1968 time frame. There's minimal amount of insulation in the walls. Prefer a do-it-yourself product versus having to call a professional type company to apply for me. Also want to be able to apply the product and then paint over it to match the existing house color. During a temporary AC outage I was amazed at the amount of heat radiating inside the house coming off a bathroom wall. Thank you for your advice with the problem. Well, there are spray-on radiant barriers, but you can't paint over them. Once you paint over them, they don't do any good. So, is there something to help you with this? Absolutely. Uh, there's a product out there called Cool Coat, and it's K-O-O-L-C-O-A-T. And what Cool Coat does is you mix it in the paint, 
and uh, basically paint your wall and it's ceramic beads so it reflects the heat yet you've got the same color paint so you can go to coolcoat.com again that's k o o l c o a t.com take a look at it uh it's a product that you would order and just like i said mix into your paint again and if i remember right when they mix it up if you got if you're mixing say 5 gallons of paint by the time you add this product in you've got 6 gallons of paint to put on your house uh, there's also a company called Deitch Coatings, D-A-I-C-H, coatings.com, and uh, they've got a product to do this as well. So both of them work great and uh, will do about the same thing as a spray-on radiant barrier. Keep in mind, a spray-on radiant barrier blocks about 65% of the heat transfer versus a uh, foil type that blocks about 95%. But like in your case where the house is already built, you can't go and you know tear all the walls off or sheetrock off or whatever to put on a foil type barrier. It's better to just go ahead and put the coating on it and be done with it. So yeah, take a look at, again, those two products, coolcoat.com or deichcoatings.com. Either one can help you out. Ah. Oh, here was a tough one. We are currently remodeling a 1986 ranch house to an updated rustic farmhouse. The original linoleum is still in place. What is the best product to use to get this stuff up? Well, this is one of those questions that nobody likes the answer. There's, there's two items you got to use on this. Elbow grease and muscle. Look, if it's truly a linoleum floor, uh, and if it's a really old linoleum floor, they're typically very stiff. But pull it up first, and then you just got to use scrapers to scrape up what's left. Once you pull that initial surface off, you get down to the paper. If you'll douse it with water and let it soak in, and I don't mean you got to put two inches of water on it. Just spray some water on it, let it soak in. It softens up that paper. And in some cases, even the glue to where you can scrape it up easier, uh, just using a floor scraper. If the uh, material used to glue it down is black in color, you run a chance that there is asbestos in it uh, from that era. Well, not from 86. I'm sorry, I was thinking back in 56. But if that's the case, if you're doing an older one, lay the water on there. That keeps the dust down to minimize the asbestos problem. Charlie, how are you today? I'm doing awfully well, Jim. Hey, I got a couple of problems on the patio here that I need to discuss with you and get a hint on how to repair it. Uh, okay. Number one, the where the patio meets the foundation is kind of withdrawing, and I, it's probably ranges uh, uh, from about a quarter of an inch to almost half an inch away from the foundation. What do I need to do with that? Well, you need to start keeping it watered around the the uh, patio and the foundation of the house because if you keep the soils expanded uh -huh. you'll keep it from walking away further uh, every time the soils dry out and it sinks down and then it gets wet and expands comes up it walks a little bit uh, and then as far as the gap you can actually go down to one of the box stores and they've got a product that you can put into that gap using a just a caulking gun 
uh-huh. uh, if you want to use the stuff that contractors use, go buy one of the Rental One locations. Uh-huh. And they've they've got a regular expansion joint filler that you can inject. Now if it's if it's in a driveway, you can use that stuff or they make a uh, a roll of stuff that you can purchase. But for what you're talking about where it meets the house, uh-huh. uh, definitely use that tube of stuff. And I, I will tell you, I was at a house yesterday that uh, I did some work on back in 2014 and had injected some of that in into the uh, joint there. And it looked as good today as it did in 2014 when it was put in. I was amazed at uh-huh. how well that's holding up. Yeah, well, I'm 77 years old. I just need a few more years. But but anyway, the second well, thing is... I, it'll, I, it'll run you, you know, how how wide a patio is it? Uh, About nine feet. Okay, so you'll probably go uh, through one, maybe two tubes that are... So you're going to spend, you know, 20, 30 bucks is all. Oh, well, that's nominal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the other thing is that there's a crack in the same patio that goes from the, the foundation out to the out, outer perimeter. and uh, But it's just like a hairline crack. Is that something you just leave it set, or can I? Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't worry about that. Okay. All concrete no. cracks by nature. The steel is in it to hold it together when it cracks. So oh, okay. you, you don't have to worry about fixing that at all. And how old did you say you are? 77. Well, I'm going to make you feel bad. Okay. I went to. I, I've got a friend that uh, I used to go down to a German restaurant when I was so oh, fifteen, sixteen with with my parents and stuff. And I continued going even after I was older. But there was a guy there, and I was at his house uh, Thursday morning to take a look at it. And it was actually his dad's house. His dad was there. He was a hundred and one years old. Holy He'll be smoke. A, he, He'll be 102 in April, and I, I, he came out, he, he met with me, he walked around the house with me, he still held a great conversation. When he was 99, he shingled his own shed. Oh, my. At 99. So you got a lot of time left in you. That's really impressive. It was. I went and had dinner with my parents that night, and I said, Dad, i got to make you feel bad here. You, you remember Eldon, you know, and I went and met with his dad, and he's 101. Well, he maybe didn't live as hard a life as I did is the answer I got from my dad, but I, I think he But you know how it goes, you know. I, I can relate more to your father. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, have a wonderful afternoon. Oh, i got one more question for oh, you. Oh, sure, go ahead. Time. Okay, we have some, uh, with, on the pat- same patio, there's been some rocks come out, and my wife refers to it as our turtle because it does, it looks just like a turtle, and it's probably, I don't know, somewhere between a quarter and a half inch deep uh, where these rocks have come out, and uh, how do you fill that in? If you want to fill them in, you can just get some floor leveler, but you got to get one that's rated for outdoor use. Uh, go over to Floor and Decor, uh-huh. and and uh, they'll they'll show you the products that you can use to fill those holes in. Do they have a place in Fort Worth? They do. Oh, okay. Because we're I'm in Burleson, or south of Burleson, right. actually. But yeah, yeah, that'd probably be the closest one. Yep. Okay, young man. 
Hey, I truly appreciate your time and your information. You've been a great help. Thank you, Charlie. You have a wonderful afternoon. You have a good weekend. You bet. And we're going to Fairfield, Texas. And Howard, how are you? Fine, Doug. Jim, I, I have a question about we're, we're thinking about replacing a worn-out carpet with uh, wood flooring. And I just wanted to know your advice on what we look for in terms of, uh, you know, we're not up on this uh, replacement thing. So it's on okay. a concrete floor, of course. And uh, we just know what, what do we look for when we're looking for wood flooring? Uh, and I'm assuming this is a concrete slab on grade, correct? Right. Okay. Uh, first thing I would tell you is I typically try to avoid a glue-down wood floor. Okay. And the reason for that, moisture does travel through concrete. I don't want the moisture coming up through the concrete, softening the glue, uh, and then the, the wood floor just doesn't stick. And when you walk on it, you hear it, you know, that's because the glue is getting tacky and instead of holding. So take a look at a floating wood floor. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. What kind of a wood floor? A floating. A floating. Wood floor. Oh, okay. Yeah, and what you do with that is you put down a membrane first that acts as a moisture barrier and sound deadener, and then your wood floor goes on top of it. And uh, you can look for a wood veneer type or solid wood. Either way, they look gorgeous. If you're looking at a wood veneer, find out how many times it can be sanded. Because some of the veneers are thick enough, you can sand them five, six times. Others are so thin, one sanding is all you get. I see. Normally, is there a warranty so that you don't have to, quote, resurface this, uh, this wood flooring immediately? Yes. Uh, what comes, what's normal in terms of a warranty? The, uh, there actually is no normal. Some of them only have a one-year, and some of them have up to a... 10 year and there's there's a couple of them out there that say a lifetime warranty but i can tell you there's no such thing as that on a wood floor uh uh, so yeah you'll want to take a look at those warranties Uh, i know you're in fairfield but if you get a chance go buy one like if you come up to dallas go buy one of the uh floor and decor locations they've got the largest wood floor selection that i've ever seen and uh, they can show you all the different choices you have available. I personally would stick with wood. I would not go with a laminate. A house with a new roof has three air hawk vents and ridge vents. Now this is an email question that came in. The soffit vents are every five foot around the house. The question is if I install radiant foil on the rafters, do I enclose the air hawk vents on the attic side? No, because the radiant barrier doesn't do a thing to change the way the air flows of the ventilation. So if you install the air hawks, I'm sorry, if you install the radiant barrier, leave your air hawks open. So the, the whole thing that it does is hot air rises. And so as the hot air rises, it draws new air in through the soffit vents, the hot air goes up and out the air hawk vents. Uh, if you if you don't leave an opening there underneath the radiant barrier, the hot air has no way to escape because it'll go up to where the ridge is, but it's not going to drop back down to where the air hawk is. And as far as the air that the air hawk would be drawing, it would be simply up 
between the uh, roof rafters. So, yeah, cut out a hole there where the air hawk's going to be so that air can still get up to that air hawk. A radiant barrier, basically what it is, is a block for radiant heat. Uh, so you can put your hand on, on uh, one side of it where the heat is and it's hot. And I'm not saying touch the material. I'm just saying the air is hot on one side. If you put your hand on the other side of the material, the air is cool. That's what a radiant barrier does. That's why it's great to, to have it in a house, have it in a shed. Wonderful for the garage. It'll lower the temperature quite a bit, make it much more comfortable. Uh, insulation in an unair conditioned space does nothing for you. In fact, it's a detriment because it holds the heat and slowly releases it at night, keeping that area hot. You've got to have insulation in an air conditioned space. Bob and Grapevine, how are you? Got a question for you. Okay. We bought a little we bought a little house down in the country and it's got a real low ceiling, like an eight foot ceiling. Yeah. And the and the pitch at the highest place in there's about three and a half feet. And I've tried to raise the um, ceilings up. Can I cut that tube of six across on the bottom where the sheetrock is? Can I cut that off and move it up? And go in there and, and uh, just go along with the pitch and re-rock it. Are you going to do the entire house that way or just one room? Or what are you looking at doing? I'd like to do the whole house. Uh, then I'm going to say no. Okay. Because the the ceiling joists, you got your roof rafters and those are fine. Your ceiling joists, though, serve two purposes. One, obviously it's what the ceiling is being attached to but right. two it holds the walls in if you remove all of those boards and and move everything up the roof will start to sag in the middle and actually start pushing the walls out so you what you may want to consider is yeah you can go ahead and do that but higher up you're still going to have to have some cross bracing to hold everything yeah. together yeah yeah I, I saw one little house down in the country where they had had done that, and they just put the cross braces about a foot off the pitch, off the center pitch, in the right. center of it. Yep, Will and, that and that's work? what I was just starting to suggest, and that'll that'll be just fine. Okay, buddy, I appreciate it, Jim. You bet, Bob. Take care. Thank you too. And you know, you you got to remember a roof the way it's designed. When you have a pitched roof, it's like a triangle, and so if you take one of the end of that triangle off, the other two pieces are going to start sliding on you and it will push walls out uh, it's easy to to hold it together by just adding some bracing up there and, and uh, make it decorative beverly how can i help you what i'm curious about is the radiant barrier can you explain to me the different types and the advantages and disadvantages of each okay we've got spray on radiant barriers and basically, it's got a paint with metal flakes mixed in it, and you can spray it onto the inside of whether it's on the inside of the roof deck or it was originally developed for military use inside their armored vehicles and tanks and things like that to help control the amount of heat coming into the environment. You've got, and that typically will block about 65% of the heat from coming through. 
foil barriers, which come in four-foot-wide rolls. You got single ply, which you staple up on the roof deck, and it has to have a dead air space behind it in order to work. That will block about 95% of the heat transfer, so it does substantially better than a radiant barrier paint does. And then you have the multi-layer radiant barriers with a thermal break in the middle. That can be sandwiched in between building materials like behind siding, uh, behind sheetrock, things like that. And again, it blocks about 95% of the heat transfer. Okay. Thank you very much. Where are you wanting to put it? In the attic. I personally use the multi-layer system, and I'll tell you why. I don't care what the temperature is in my attic. I'm more concerned with controlling my living area and lowering my energy bills. And by putting it on the attic floor on top of my insulation, it controls uh -huh. the amount of heat that gets into the insulation. So it keeps it from getting hot, which means my air conditioner doesn't work as hard. And I will tell you, I have a 3,000 square foot house. A third of it has no insulation. The rest of it only has about four inches of insulation. And I run an electric bill of about $200 a month. Okay. Which for well, a 3,000 square foot your... house is pretty good. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I thank you for your help. I appreciate this. Thank you, Beverly. You have a wonderful weekend. Hello, Tom. How are you today? I'm good, Jim. How are you today? Wonderful. Good. I, I've got a uh, a house that was flooded, and the um, sheet rock's been ripped out uh, four feet. Uh-huh. And the insulation's out and all. I've seen that uh, some people have been spraying it with uh, the studs and the uh, the backer board that, that's uh, between the brick and the studs with uh, a kilt. Is that is that a good idea? I don't know if that's sealing moisture in or... Uh, you know, I had a call earlier about that, and I personally don't see a reason for doing that. Okay. Uh, because one, you've already, you should have already cleaned everything up, used a, a product on there to kill any bacterias and all that stuff. Let that wood breathe and dry. Yeah. And once it's dried out, nothing's going to grow on it, anyways. The kilts okay. that that people are trying to put on there, it, it, it really can do more harm than good because, yes, it can trap moisture in there. Uh, and more importantly, after the house is put back together, it's, it's going to be worthless on there. And if you ever do get some moisture in, at that point, it can be detrimental. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Let it breathe, right? Let it breathe. Okay, I've got another issue on another house where um, there's a lot of sewer smell in the bathroom. Uh -huh. And near as I can tell, unless I just can't find the vent line, but there doesn't seem to be a, a vent to the uh, where the tub is. It doesn't seem like the tub is vented. Um, like it, there's a it hole has to under, be. Huh? It, it has to be. So you just think, uh, but uh, in looking in the attic, I don't find it either but uh it's probably tied into another vent stack somewhere okay. so it's what i've done what i'm doing is putting uh some ac vents into it like because there's no air uh -huh. conditioning into that bathroom so okay. uh, and uh and the, the 
there was fans in the bathrooms, but they were just venting into the attic, uh, running a four-inch duct through the uh, soffit. Uh, Good. That, that might take care of it, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, by chance, is the toilet up against the the wall of the uh, tub? No, it's on the opposite side. Uh, okay, how about a like sink? All, yeah, there's two bathrooms uh, next to each other, and it looks like all the venting is tied into just to one pipe. So it's, it's maybe not the best venting system, I'm thinking. Um, but you're, I mean, it's in Houston, so it would have been in code and inspected, even though it is 30 or uh, 40, 50 years old, I guess. Well, you um, know, back in the day, the stuff they did back then doesn't necessarily meet code today, but I wouldn't worry about it any. Okay, so I'm going to go with the vents and, uh, and see how that does. Thanks very okay. much, Jim. appreciate you being bet. able to call you once in a while. Hey, I, I love the calls. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.